Welcome to the F1 Stop Show. Good evening. I'm your host, Sam Oni, and this is episode 22. With me is Wes Fearman. Wes, how are you doing this evening? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Only just about recovered from, from all the news that's been thrown out from Formula 1 in literally the past what, few days. I mean, we're recording this on Thursday, slightly later in the week than usual, and in, I suppose in a way it's worked out quite well because we've got a couple more days of quite big news that, that's come out. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very good, thanks. How are you? I, I'm very good. You know, there's so much sport is going on during these Commonwealth Games. It's just so hard to keep up with what's going on, but that's the beauty of it. You've got such a variety of sports to to choose from and watch. And uh, yeah, it's really, really enjoyed it. As for Formula One, well, let's get into it, shall we? So the Hungarian Grand Prix was, it was around 11, I believe, 13, well then. And uh, Max Verstappen ruled in Budapest, as he has most of the season. It was quite a dominant race from him, you know, taking the lead on lap 16, I believe. And, uh, well, that's win number 28 for the Dutchman. He goes above Fernando Alonso and some other F1 greats that I can't remember off the top <laughs> of my head. He was level with Jackie Stewart last time, and you know, he's just gone one ahead of quite literally one of the greatest drivers of all time. Let me guess, let me guess. Graham Hill. I, got, I said Jackie Stewart. <laughs> Oh, sorry. Sorry, my bad. My bad. So, Jackie Stewart. See, I put it right. But what what do you make of Max's Max's performance in Budapest? I mean... Considering that he started 10th. Yeah, I was just going to say, Red Bull had a shocker of a qualifying session. Um, Just trying to find where they actually qualified. Um, Verstappen, P10, Perez, P12. I mean, Hamilton was 7th as well, so... I don't know what what was in the air in in Budapest last weekend, but yeah, for some reason some of the drivers couldn't quite. I think they had, Red Bull had some sort of issue, and Hamilton had some sort of issue as well. Um, not quite sure what. Um, but yeah, I mean to to win the race after coming from tenth, it's Verstappen's first win outside uh, a top four start, um, and it's possibly arguably is his greatest win. I'm trying to think where other race wins. Um, that that you could potentially class as Verstappen's best win, Abu Dhabi last year, perhaps controversially, I suppose. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm struggling to think of too many others where he's had such a smooth drive. Um, I suppose up until he lit up the rears and spun coming out of the second, second to last corner, but even even so, with that, which was quite late into into or sort of in the middle of the race, um. He only lost one place to Charles Leclerc, which I think only dropped him back to about third or fourth, and then pretty much ate Leclerc up a, a lap or two afterwards. Um, it was just it was, Red Bull have got so much pace at the moment. It's, it's Verstappen's eighth win of the season, and there's been thirteen races. Um, was it Leclerc with or Perez with one, and the two Ferraris with the others? Um, something like that. I can't remember. Um, yeah, he's just been so so dominant all season, and we we keep saying it. We pretty much week in week out when it comes to 
Verstappen. It was a dominant drive. Count how many times we've said that during the course of this season. Um, yeah. Pretty much every race besides possibly the first three or four. Um, but he's just a, a level above every, anyone else on the grid at the moment in terms of driver and car. Um, but he's 80 points clear now of Leclerc and no driver with a lead that big has, um, has ever been caught for the World Championship. And I think these last few weeks have just completely killed Ferrari and um, their sort of any sort of hope or they had even battling for the World Championship. I mean, looking back to the start of the season when we had a, a Ferrari 1-2 and Verstappen retired and the the race after that in Saudi Arabia, Verstappen bounced back, got the win and Ferrari struggled a little bit. We thought it was going to be down to Verstappen and Leclerc for the, from those first sort of three, four rounds. But now I think you can pretty much safely say well, that Verstappen's possibly got <laughs> not not quite a whole hand on, on that uh, driver's uh, t- uh, trophy yet but may- maybe maybe a finger on it <laughs> yeah and um, I agree with you and uh, I just wanted to cast your back do you remember I think into the first three races or even the first two rather when uh, Verstappen had the DNF in uh, Bahrain and also not in South Australia I don't think Australia, he had it in I think it was. Australia. Yeah. yeah and he de- he then said like oh I'm not I think he said something along the lines of maybe my title hopes are not there anymore. My chances are quite slim or something like that. I can't quite remember what he said. Something along those lines. But then if you fast forward, what, up to eight, nine races later, as you said, he's he's like miles ahead of Leclerc. And, you know, his driver's championship bid is up and running again. Up and running again. It's it's more than up and running. It's far out. He's miles ahead now. As as you say, eighty points ahead of uh, Leclerc, eighty five points ahead of Perez, who he thought um, could potentially be in with a shout of, or maybe not a championship, but be be in the battle nonetheless. But he's just so far ahead of everyone else now. And as, as I just I listened to or watching back to the Channel Four highlights and that stat from Alex Jakes that, that no one with a lead this big has, has ever been caught um, for the world title. And I'm fairly certain I don't think we'll see um, Max being caught this year. I mean, 80 points is a hell of a lot. I mean, thinking back to when I think it was Leclerc had a 30-point lead and I was thinking that could take some doing to, to reel in if if Ferrari and Leclerc um, carry on the same four that, that, that they showed at the start of the season. But as I say, I think these last few weeks of whether it be strategy or mechanical failure or engine failure or um, driver error like in, in France, they've just absolutely killed any momentum whatsoever that Ferrari had. Um, and yeah, just killed their hopes of, of a driver's and constructor's championship because it's not just the drivers, the constructors um, as well. I think Mercedes are now pretty close to um, to going second in the constructors. So, And at the start of the season, or after the first few rounds, you think, you know, Mercedes finished third. There's no way they're getting into the top two. There's no way they're going to battle with Red Bull and Ferrari. But now, coming coming to the summer break, they're right in there. They could have potentially won this weekend out in Hungary if it wasn't um, for well, basically the, the, the pace of the Red Bulls. But um, I mean, Russell could have got his first win, or Hamilton could have got his first win of the season. 
Um, I mean, we said last week Hungary is a strong track for the Mercedes. Um, one of Hamilton's most, well, pretty much is his most successful track. I think he's got nine wins there, level with Silverstone, I believe. Um, yeah, obviously we're, we're the celebrating now. The team's got four weeks, I think it is, um, sort of reevaluate and um, re lots of things <laughs> to recover, um, re-energize <laughs> all those words. Um, yeah, Ferrari need to wobble their heads together and yeah, try and put right what's what's gone wrong in the last few weeks. Yeah, because um, if if Charles Leclerc wants any chance of touching that drivers' championship, he's gonna really have to get his act together. Not just him, but the whole team as well. Um, his teammate Carlos Sainz, the the pit crew, all the engineers, the mechanics. They're really gonna have to put their heads on together because after summer break, it's Spa. And Spa is a very well-respected track. And, uh, you know, a lot of stuff has happened in Spa in the past. I don't know if we're going to get a bit of rain, but, well. <laughs> as long as it's we'll, not another repeat of last year. <laughs> One lap behind the safety car. Right, yeah. Race one less. Let's get on the podium and go home because it's pissing it down. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe Mick Schumacher might qualify and get himself on the <laughs> that, top. That I would like to see. Road. I would like to see that. <laughs> um, well, uh, at, well, Mercedes, George Russell, he got his first pole for the Silver Arrows. How how, how did you feel when you when you saw that in qualifying? Um, a little bit unexpected, I think. Um, I think he only got pole by, I think it was less than a tenth of a second. They actually got pole um, for, I think it was over Sainz who was second, I believe. Um, yeah, see when he came out of nowhere a bit from Russell and yeah, as, as you say, his first pole, first of, of many, I'm sure. Um, yeah, if he said, I mean, just going back to sort of the start of the season, those first few rounds, if he said, yeah, a Mercedes is going to be on pole by summer break, you thought, they've managed to claw something back um, I mean, they were challenging for sort of 4th, 5th and 6th Mercedes at the start of the season, now they're challenging for consistent podiums and, and even race wins um, and as I said probably well, wasn't quite to be for Russell in, in Hungary this weekend but they've improved by so so much Mercedes since the start of the season and it goes to show they're, they're not 8 eight time constructors champions for, for no reason Um the way they've, as I say, the way they've managed to to claw back, um, or just improve their car so much. I mean, it helps that Ferrari have um, gone quite quite far downhill in terms of strategy mistakes, um, reliability, um, etc. But yeah, their improvement is is it's like chalk and cheese compared to where they were at, at the start of the season and now. Um, yeah, and I, don't, I don't see any reason why after the summer break that they can't be challenging for podiums regularly and maybe maybe even a, a race win here and there um would love to see russell get um a race win this season um if he doesn't get one this season i'm sure he will next year um yeah the way mercedes have, have improved is just is, is just a, a, an incredible effort given how far off the pace they were at the, at the start of the season the question still remains with mercedes um the question is on everybody's lips when and will the Silver Arrows get their first win of the season? Because we're now going into the summer break. Then we kick off with Belgium. We still have 
Asia to go. We still got we still got Suzuka. Singapore's on the calendar. We've got uh, what else? Turkey, I believe. We've got Zanbor Monza. Okay. Um, I'll run you through the second half of the season. Actually, so as you mentioned, we've got Spa next up, twenty sixth to twenty eighth of August. Um, first race in September is in the Netherlands at Zandvoort. Then we go to Monza, uh, Singapore, Japan, Kota, uh, Mexico, Brazil, and then Abu Dhabi. So, how many races is that? Nine races, which doesn't seem like a lot, but it takes us right in, right to the end of November. Um, so yeah, there's still a lot of a lot of work to be done for for the drivers and the teams. And yeah, four weeks off, as I say, just to have a bit have a bit of a rest. It's called the summer break for a reason because traveling around the world i mean yeah people love to do that drive travel all around the world and drive fast cars for a living but you're not at home for a lot of the time so these guys definitely do need a break um if not for yeah. physical reasons and mental reasons certainly um yeah I, I reckon mercedes will get a race win second half of the season i'm not entirely sure where um potentially I've, I've chucked it out there now. I've, I've got to say something now that I've said that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking at these races. Um, Kota, perhaps, I reckon. Circuit of the Americas or Suzuka, I think. Could be, could be, could be a time for a race win. If you don't mind, could you just list out those races yeah. again? So from Belgium all the way to Dabby Dabby. Yeah, so yeah, just, Bel- Belgium up next. Then Zandvoort, uh, Netherlands, Monza, uh, Singapore, Suzuka, Circuit of the Americas, Mexico, uh, Interlagos, Brazil, and Abu Dhabi. Okay. Um, if I was, I I could I would say there are two potential tracks that we could possibly see Mercedes getting their first win. Um, first is Suzuka in Japan. I I think that track. The track of the figure eight, it's very. I think it will suit Mercedes' driving style, you know, with the uh, straight line speed. Um, and they're not too bad in the corners as well. So I think that's that's probably one opportunity for the Silver Arrows to get their first win. Then the other is Interlagos, Brazil. Now we know Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton in particular has had a lot of success in Brazil. Hamilton got his 101st F1 win in that track, I believe, last year. Something like that, I think. How many has he got now in my hand? That, that'll be it, I think. Yeah, that must have been his last Grand Prix win. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he was made honorary citizen of Brazil, so Hamilton's got a lot going in Brazil. <laughs> and... Uh, well, his first world championship there as well. Well, yeah, what do you know? He finished fifth, but... <laughs> well, what do you know? 2008 Brazil, Lewis Hamilton. Remember the name. History was written. Anyway, so, um, yeah, I feel those are two opportunities that Mercedes have of grabbing their first uh, F1 win of the season. As you, you've said, Kota, you know, Circuit of Americas. Um, but it remains to be seen. There are nine races between the summer break and the end of the season. So who knows? Anything can happen. We're, 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 this is Formula One. 
Well, moving on now. <laughs> that leads us quite nicely into our next bit. <laughs> Anything can happen. <laughs> Anything can happen, which is why we have this. Now, normally, normally, when when you want to when you want to drive, there are times where drivers feel they need a bit of a change. I can I can I can probably compare this to football. Drivers can feel a bit of a change. They may they you know they want to have a new experience, new challenge. You know, okay, I might want to drive for this team. I might want to drive for that team. I might I might want to go to Williams, Mercedes, Alpine, Aston Martin, wherever you want to go. You can either go to Ferrari or Haas. Be Gunterstander's best friend for all I care, but. If you're Fernando Alonso and you want to drive for another team, that's fine. But the way you go about it, at least have some decency. You know? So, long story short, earlier in the week, while everyone was going about their everyday lives, behind F1's back, or everybody in F1, Aston Martin and uh, Fernando Alonso decided to put pen to paper and agree a deal for next year, 2023. I know. I don't think many of us saw that one coming because obviously Sebastian Vettel first announced his retirement for the season, which I think was quite a big bombshell announcement in itself. I mean, what an amazing career he's had, first of all. Four-time world champion. Um I'll just find this this list of stats. Most wins in a season of 30, most poles in a season, most laps led in a season, most consecutive, nine consecutive wins in 2013. That is ridiculous. Um, youngest pole sitter, um, youngest driver to, to get pole position and race win. Um, and his first ever, I mean, his first ever race win in 2008 with, with Toro Rosso, for crying out loud, <laughs> for Red Bull's junior team beat everyone on a wet day in 2008 in, in Italy. Um, he'll go down as one of the all-time greats of Formula 1. Is it the third most uh, world titles ever by F1 driver? Obviously, you've got Schumacher and Hamilton on seven, and then Fangio on five, and Vettel, and there might be someone else on four. Um, Prost, maybe? Um, Senna? I'm not quite sure. Um, but yeah, one of the all-time great drivers, and when I was sort of starting out watching F1 in the sort of late 2000s, sort of 2010s, um, I wasn't a massive fan of Vettel just because he kept on winning. <laughs> I, yeah, didn't like him I, winning was, I was like that as well. I was like that as well. This guy keeps on winning. Oh, he just keeps on winning. Give, give us someone different. Um, yeah. But now, I think, over, especially over the last sort of three or four years where he's just, I think we've seen a more human side to him. Yeah. Um, of where he's stood up for LGBTQ rights, he's stood up for um, he's cleaning up grandstands after yeah. races. He's he's doing all this humanitarian, I suppose, stuff. Um, mm-hmm. that you can see actually, I was <laughs> I was wrong to dislike him just because he was winning. Whereas inside, there's someone who just just wants to see see good and do good in the world and. He'll be sorely missed, not just for his race. Well, I say sorely missed. He's, he's not died or anything. <laughs> but he'll be missed from from the paddock for sure. Not just because he's he's a top quality driver, but um, just those those extra that he goes above and beyond for 
not just F1, but a lot of people around the world, I think, will will relate to Vettel in, in some way and just appreciate all the work that, that, he, that he's done and, and is doing off the track as well. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll end that there because we are running out of time. Running out of time. Um, but yeah, Fernando Alonso, Aston Martin. I don't think many people saw that one coming. I think we, we possibly think oh, Mick Schumacher is going to go to Tustamon just because his, his, his links with Vettel but yeah, I think yeah. it was a, a day or, or two days after um, Vettel announced his retirement that uh, Aston Martin announced that, that Alonso would race for them as well and I thought hey, that's a bit of an odd move for someone who's essentially yeah, gone back yeah, someone who's essentially gone back to the team who he won his world titles with in 05 and 06. Um, but yeah, we're all under a different name and nowhere near the front of the grid anymore. But to jump ship and change affiliations from Renault to essentially Mercedes um, is, yeah, quite <laughs> quite intriguing from Alonso. Um, I don't think he's had the best career moves in, well, in his career, I suppose. Um, it's been a bit unfortunate. Um, I suppose jumping ship with Ferrari just as they were getting good again <laughs> jumping yeah. ship with McLaren uh, although I suppose that was fair enough but after he left McLaren had a slight resurgence and you know they're having an okay year this year not as good as Alpine um, but I mean Alpine having they're fourth in the constructors whereas Aston Martin were eighth or something <laughs> so I don't I'm not sure what I think of that move um, I don't know who I'd want to see in in that seat if it wasn't for Vettel because um, I don't think Schumacher wants to or, and Ferrari especially don't want to let go of Schumacher or let Schumacher go to a, a non-Ferrari affiliated team they want to keep him in, in the likes of Haas and Alfa Romeo and Ferrari um, yeah. and Nick, Nick de Vries maybe um, Callum Eilert, Porsche um, Piastri Oscar <laughs> <the> Piastri <laughs> Oh, yeah, so did you do you want to get into the whole Piastri saga? <laughs> well, as you said, um, Vettel's retired, and and then Fernando Alonso has put pen to paper for Aston Martin for twenty twenty three. Now Alpine have a reserve driver, Oscar Piastri, former F two champion for last year. He also won F3 in 2020. So he's Alpine's re- uh, reserve driver. And uh, Alpine, being Alpine, so decided, well, with Alonso gone, we need someone to drive next to Esteban Ocon. And uh, cue Oscar Piastri. And um, it, didn't, it didn't go well. Oscar Piastri, just straight up, no. Without my, without my knowledge, without my agreement, I, I didn't agree to drive in with uh, Alpine. Therefore, I'm not driving with Alpine in 2023. And uh, I must say, the French team must look very, must have looked very embarrassed when they released that tweet. I feel like it's more than just embarrassment because there's. A lot going on here because I mean to not get someone's agreement to just send out a press release saying that yeah this this guy Piastri is going to drive for us next season is 
very, very, very poor form because yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking in, in my line of work where I do <laughs> um, release things to the press. Um, so I, I just announced <laughs> a player had signed for the team, and without yeah. their knowledge or agreement, then that would not go. I'd probably get the sack, to be honest. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, for Alpine to do that, I mean, there's possibly some legal issues in there as well with contracts and teams and what have you. But yeah, I mean, Piastri's tweet word for word is, "I understand that without my agreement, Alpine F1 have put out a press release late this afternoon." that I'm driving for them next year. This is wrong, and I had not signed a contract with Alpine for 2023. I will not be driving for Alpine next year. Um, mm. Which is, is quite a statement. <laughs> yeah. To say, I mean, whether he was on Alpine's car, I mean, he was obviously on their cars, being their reserve driver, but, I mean, whether he is already in talks with another team, I've heard rumours that he might be going to McLaren. Um, and Daniel Ricciardo will make way for him, whether Ricciardo goes to Alpine or another team or, or out of the sport team. I hate to see that happen. Um, but yeah, the whole thing has just gone down very, very poorly and, and created for some, some great drama late on, <laughs> whatever it was, Tuesday night, I think. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's yeah, not not good from, from Alpine. And, I mean, I would, I'd love to see Piastri on, on the grid next year, whether it be for it looks like McLaren at the moment. Um, but yeah, I just hope Ricardo doesn't <laughs> doesn't lose his seat or do, or doesn't go out of F one because I still think he's a brilliant driver. He struggled with McLaren, but I still think he deserves that F one seat. And if Ricardo does go back to um, Alpine as he was with Renault, then they've got a hell of a driver on their hands and can potentially. I mean, he got a podium fit, I think for once uh, for Renault uh, Ricardo. So. I don't think it'll be the end of the world for Ricardo, but yeah, that that move to leave Red Bull in whatever it was, eight, um, 2018, 2019, I just yeah. I just like you know, you know the the dominoes, you knock one over and then it just knocks the yeah. next. It feels like that has started all of this. <laughs> That's what's going on now. Um, yeah, just just before running out of time, there's been another driver uh, announcement as well. What's that then? Go on, you, you finish up post. Finish up post. To put an end to silly season, I suppose. No, it's silly season, but we're only like four days into the summer break. Um, Williams, obviously, off, off the back of all this drama going on on an F1, they announced that they would, well, they, they put something out saying they've got an announcement at three o'clock uh, on Wednesday, yesterday at time recording. And we're all just thinking, oh, what, what's this going to be? Is it going to be something mundane like? A new sponsor that's come on board, or is it going to be a new driver like Nick DeFries replacing Latifi or something? But um, it was actually fairly normal news in that Alex Albon will remain with Williams for for the next few years, which which is great. I mean, Albon's done a terrific job for them so far. Um, yeah, good to see him on on the grid for next year. So we've had a, a lot in Formula One and uh, in this episode. So Albon signed a new contract with Williams. Uh, Fernando Alonso and Aston Martin had secret meetings and well, it's F1 city season ladies and gentlemen I've been your host Sam Oni and we hope you've enjoyed this episode it's a goodbye from me bye bye and it's a goodbye from Wes bye bye and we hope you have a lovely summer break and we'll be back at the end of August for the Belgium Grand Prix <laughs>